Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, we are at Heart and Hustle podcast and Twitter. We are at Heart and Hustle pod or Heart Hustle pod. Sorry. And use the hashtag boss so hard to show us how you are dreaming big and working hard. We love hearing from you guys, what you like, what you dislike. Uh, So definitely keep communicating with us through social media. Also, if you're listening on iTunes or if you're not listening, go download iTunes onto your computer (laughs) and go look us up for Heart and Hustle podcast and leave us a review or a rating. And we love hearing it, you guys. And that's the way so people can find this show, really. It's not, I mean... I'm kind of vain. I do like reviews. We do like reviews. We're not I, I actually lie. more think it's more important for more other people to find yeah. the show and yeah. having women of color because we have a really exciting guest today. I really want people to listen to this episode, like every single human being. So all of them, all of them, all the humans all, in the entire all world, six billion all of them. Plus. All right, I'll figure out how to translate yep. it later. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and go do that if you're online right now. If you're not, make a note to go home and do it when you get home. So we are at the beginning of march We're in march it's women's history month it is. and it's the weather is like playing like voodoo tricks on us because uh, it's beautiful outside it's gorgeous and but this it is was, so unseasonably like so nice i was for in south florida, florida uh, last week for a little bit and it was really rainy and it was cold and it was weird <laughs> and so like i came up and i knew a cold front was coming in like we had already talked about it and we had you know been aware it was going to be chilly, but it was weird for it to be chilly there. And then I drove up here and it was freezing. It's making it like much easier to like and enjoy like, the outside okay. still. And now it's like super nice. You know, it's like sunny and everything looks really adorable. And there's blooming. I feel like this, the birds are singing. Like it's yes. the beginning of every it's like, like princess movie. It's, yeah, it's so it's magical. Like, it's so it is fantastic right now. So I'm not even complaining. And it's March. Yeah. It's in the first quarter, <laughs> if you're business... Yeah. Taxes are coming up soon, um, so. Good times, good times. So besides amazing weather, what have you been enjoying this past week? This past week, I haven't enjoyed a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Um, no, I really did enjoy it. My sister literally just went last week, uh, Friday, and got all her stuff set up for her business and starting that. And so, like, we talked about it for a long time last night on FaceTime, and I'm like, super excited to, so for exciting. her business it's so different from what i do and so i'm just like what is she doing um i can't talk about it okay okay <laughs> i'm gonna put business in the streets okay. <laughs> but it's super i mean it's not like a super innovative brand new thing but it's like such a different thing and she's taking a different approach and i'm just super excited about because again it's something i don't do at all is I'm it something that you're going to be able to share yeah well listeners? obviously okay, yeah 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 okay. um as it, develops and builds in early early stages but doing all the like important like baby legal stuff and it's so funny we were talking yesterday Dave and I are driving around and we always laugh because we got married in 19 you know I was 19 he was 20 turning 21 in 10 days and so we were like always like we're always like so sure and I'm like we're like my sister and her husband who are way older than we were but it's just like we were little babies. We didn't know what we were doing. Why were we out here Aww. in the world, like, making important decisions and taking people's money? <laughs> like, what were we doing? Well, we knew what we were doing, but Being it's so bosses. funny. 
it's just so funny to be like, wow, look at how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Speaking so. of old, um, <laughs> Melissa turns 32. I like how so you're like, happy oh, that is so the worst Melissa. way to tell her. Back. I think her like, like tangled things this morning it's okay, on but Twitter. You're younger than her, but I'm older than her, so I can joke like um, that. Nobody's old, but you got like I, the people in my life. Do you life understand that Melissa mentally... is so ready for like naps and chilling anyways? She, uh, like, so it's fine. Like, I don't even understand. Like you guys, we're, 40 we're like a, is the promised land. We're like, like a good, we're like a good group for like excited. 30 because we just really do love like just. I think out, it's very relaxing. funny because everybody I know will be third by the end of next year. Like everybody I know Except immediately in my life will be 30 and I feel like I am straggling yeah. behind because yeah. I live the life of a 40 year old woman. And so my <laughs> age does not match at all with and the I understand way that because I live. this is the way that I feel with like John's friends because he's seven years older than me. So like yeah. all of them, you know, turned thirty. Like yeah, and they're in their four. You're going into forties and they're, everything. Yeah, well, and a lot of my like, friends are going. Late, they're in their late. They're mid to late thirties. Most yeah. of them now. A lot so, of my like, friends are going into their forties too. Like because I, yeah. I have such older friends, that's why I feel like I'm living the life of a forty year old. Well, it's like when Melissa turned thirty, I was like, oh yay, we're all thirty now. And then I was like, wait a second, I forget that you and David are way younger. No, David will be thirty next year, so he's not way younger. It's it's me who is But by defunct. then, I'll be like 31, oh, and that's a whole nother... There are so many 30-plus-year-olds <laughs> who are rolling their eyes at you right I know. now. I yell I know. at people in my own... I love being 30, But actually. I love people in my life who are, like, you know, in their late 40s and their 50s, and they're like, oh, my hair... Like, I had this whole conversation with this lady that I love and adore. She's like, oh, my hair is thinning. I was like, I want you to get up and go say that to that, like, almost 90-year-old woman right now so she can <laughs> slap you in the face. We will not have ageism in my face. Right. I do not take it. I do not accept it. I do not, like, listen to people complaining about getting older. A lot of things do change, I think, like, you know, when you get into your late 20s, early 30s. But it's not, I don't know, like, it's, it's so far, I've, I've loved it. And again, I'm only, like, two months in, so I'm not, like, an <laughs> I loved expert it for the eight 30s. weeks but, that um, I've been 30. But, yeah, I, I do. I, I think that it's going to be better than my I mean I don't want to say better than my 20s because life in general is is something well, you, that I'm really thankful for but to be fantastic and yeah yeah I mean decade. it's it's I, I think that it's uh it's different and it's good different for sure um but yeah so so we have an amazing episode today I'm that super excited I'm really excited about and I think you guys are going to love it um we just keep having really great guests yeah on. I'm and really I've known her for a while via the internet because that's the way Interwebs. the internet works yeah and um I met her for the first time in real life last year at blog alicious and I fell in love and I she's just talented she has a ton of information um to share with you guys so whether take you notes are I have in them. the same field as her or not in the same field as her yeah. You're if you're a human a being, yeah. then you can learn. You're gonna learn. <laughs> so enjoy. Hey guys, we're so excited because Krista's here today. And if you don't know Krista, Krista Myers from Krista David Art is a fine artist, which is my favorite type of art. <laughs> uh, she does so many different things from painting to collages. So we're so excited to have you here, Krista. Could you just explain to our audience what you do and what more about your brand? Okay, first, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be on this podcast. And it's my first podcast, so I'm a little nervous, but I'm happy to be here. Don't be nervous. Um, so I, <laughs> don't be nervous. I am a visual artist based in New York City. 
Um, I'm a full-time artist, which I think deserves a little footnote in yeah. that a few months ago, I was working a day job, a very demanding day job alongside my art practice. And I was sort of making art in the cracks, which is also known as nights and weekends. <laughs> um, but now I am a full-time artist. I spend most of my day in my studio and then the other half, of course, trying to market and show my work. Um, what else about my background? Oh, so my background as far as, and it, it, it sort of relates to my artwork. I'm a public health researcher, and I have been doing that kind of work for the past 10 years. So part of what that means is I study um, via aggregates of data, health data, right. patterns of disease and death for different groups of people and trying to understand what the story is behind, why some people thrive, why some people don't. And then as a collective with my colleagues or former colleagues, we will come up with interventions to sort of support community, support public health, that kind of thing. And we worked on the traditional issues like chronic diseases, like diabetes, hypertension, those sorts of things. But a lot of that plays into my work because um, I like to think that I'm a storyteller when it comes to my artwork, especially. You are. Tour. You don't have to think. <laughs> you are. I can. I, I, see, am, I You am, are. Right? <laughs> so I do those issues of equity and sort of understanding historical trauma and how that um, impacts sort of where people currently are in their thinking, in their you know, just actual lives is really important to me. So I like to tell stories, especially stories of brown people and black people um, in my work. So those, for a long while, I did my art practice and my public health practice side by side. But then it got to a point where I was just like, I need to focus um, on my art practice. This is a good space for me. Um, I'm 37 and, you know, I had probably like my, it's not a quarter year crisis. I feel like it's a third year crisis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, side note, if you ever, like when you go look up Krista, because I told her this on her birthday, she looks 12 and a half. Yeah. yeah so when she do. said she was turning 37, I was like, you are a liar and you drink from a bed of dead virgins. Like you are yeah. not telling the truth because you have like, you. And, I'm going to need to know worse, like the secrets of your fountain views after the podcast. Like, you, she looks yeah. young on Skype, but literally like in person. I would have never ever ever have guessed and when you were telling like the story about like all this stuff about you know your life and your kids and your husband my brain still was like yeah, she's young obviously she just I don't know she had kids when she was 12 I don't care <laughs> like, I don't, but she's not there's no. no way so you that's like my compliment of the day like you guys need to look it up and then like oh, figure you. out how to embody the youth that you have <laughs> Thank you. I wish I could say I did something, but I probably got it from my mama. <laughs> she looks young too. But um, so yeah, so at 37, it was sort of like, okay, it's now or never. I want to practice my art full time, see what I can create in, you know, a defined span of time, i.e. the time that my savings will cover me. <laughs> right. um, because selling art is very, um, I'm learning it's very challenging, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Um so yeah, that's that's sort of where I am right now, just practicing my art full time and trying to set myself up in a way that in the event that if I have to go back to work, I've laid a really nice foundation. I've figured out um, when the times of day when I make my best art, I know exactly how my creative process goes so that if I have to look for employment, I can be very clear about what is gonna work well right. for my art practice. And um, I, I love, just, I would say, I really just love that, like, you took having a day job and having to keep one when you probably didn't want to have one. You're probably ready to go full time, but, you know, you're in that transition. I love that you use, like, 
what you were doing and learning in your day job to fuel your art. Because I think that a lot of our listeners are probably in that in-between space where they haven't been able to go full time yet. And that's just like a great example of like how you can use where you are and just take it as like, okay, I meant to be here in this moment. I'm not going to fight it. And I'm going to use that to fuel myself as an artist. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think you have to, I think in retrospect, I wish I had a um, thought more positively about the benefits of a day job. Um, a lot of people will sit at their day jobs and be like, oh my God, this sucks. And I would rather be doing mm-hmm. everything else. And you have to take a minute to just sort of appreciate and express gratitude for what your day job provides. You know, health insurance possibly, <laughs> yes. day job, right. um, a, a steady paycheck, a defined schedule. And you just got to treat it um, as an investment in whatever your next thing is. Because that that negative energy of talking badly about it really will sap your energy and you won't be able to do your thing when right. you leave. Yep. Right? Yeah. So that's what I've learned in retrospect. Like, just see it, you know, make a plan if you want to leave, but just be positive about what it provides so that you can make your transition successfully um, and without all that negative energy. Yeah. So as a fine artist, uh, what mediums do you specialize in and how did you decide to focus on those mediums? Oh, that's a good question. So I, um, painting is primary to me. That has been where I started. I went to a specialized high school in New York City called LaGuardia High School Mm -hmm. of uh, um, Arts and Performing Arts. And so painting was always my thing, oil painting in particular. So I'm very comfortable with canvas and paint and both acrylic paint and oil painting. And I thought that that's where I was going to be. But a year ago, I did this challenge. I was doing, I was, uh, while I was at my day job, I was um, challenging myself to do these little 30 day challenges Mm -hmm. every so often. And I did one that was collage, which was really interesting to me. It wasn't something I had thought about previous. Or, you know, I dabbled in it a little bit, but it wasn't a serious thing for me. And it just opened up this whole world for me because it solved a couple problems that I have with painting. I tell people that, yes, I'm an artist, yes, I'm a painter, but I don't know how to draw. <laughs> <laughs> right? So if you tell me, like, and I've taken lots of anatomy classes, like drawing the figure, right. you, you do what you do. But I think you have to practice it enough to get super, really good at it. And I'm just not good at it. And I think collage solves the problem of me having to figure out figures. Mm-hmm. Because right. I, can, I can forage historical you know, I live on the New York Public Library website looking for historic images and, you know, um, vintage editions of a National Geographic and things like that. And I can pull those figures in without having to l- lament about, oh, my God, I need to paint a face. Right. Like, no, I can just cut this one out. And, and you have a face. <laughs> exactly. So I think collage solved a couple problems for me. It forced me to get to, to the story, the heart of it very quickly. And... I actually, I mean, I like it. It is, it's, um, it really feeds my analytical side of my mm-hmm. brain because you, I spend a lot of time cutting images and I have them all sort of in their different piles, and then I have to compose something. So it's a very sort of um, analytical process for me. So I, I kind of, I, I, I go back and forth between painting and collage a lot, and now I'm at this point in my practice where I'm trying to merge them um, because. I love them both and I don't want to give up either of them. So the way that my collections usually work is I'll work on a collection of collages and I'll put those out. And while those are out, I'm working on a set of paintings and then I sort of alternate between the two. But coming this spring, I'm going to be merging the media. Um, 
which I'm really excited about. I am too. I'm making a face. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) Along with my love for analog photography. So I'm working on this project now, um, trying to merge those three media, photography, specifically analog, Polaroid, um, collage, and painting. Oh my that sounds so, so awesome. Oh my, my body is ready. <laughs> I'm excited about it. When I was doing, and when I started designing, I did a lot of digital art. And so I did a lot of photo manips and digital collages were really like, and those were so in back then in like 2005, 2006. And I really loved collage work. Like I miss it all the time. I really miss being able to put together all these different layers and these different things and different images. And that's why I'm so attracted to your work because you get to do that with your hands. I'm glad you you brought up the digital piece. One of the things that I'm trying to um, do in my practice is pick up extra tips to help me be more efficient. Mm -hmm. I I do have this perfectionist um, tendency where it takes me forever to glue anything down. Yeah. Because I'm like, is it is it right? But I think I just purchased like a flatbed scanner. Right. What I'm probably gonna do is start to scan in the images and Mm -hmm. start to manipulate them Mm -hmm. in Photoshop. That way I can like play around with the composition faster. So that is on my list of to-dos. It is I'm like, so I much fun. I need to come up with ways to efficiently do this without feeling like, oh my God, I have to commit. Yeah. And once I put that glue down, I'm like, oh crap. Yeah, you're, so- <laughs> you're, you're sold. And what I loved yeah. about digital is the playing with texture with it mm-hmm. a lot of the time like I did I was really into like concrete textures and that type of stuff so I literally would go outside like a crazy person and take pictures, take pictures of, the- of concrete of sidewalk and different types of like flooring and stuff but that's a discussion for another day so mm-hmm. uh we talked about this a little bit um do you think everyone should invest in art collections and if so what are some great ways to start because I think millennials it seems like such a grandparent thing mm-hmm. to do and we don't really think about having our own art. So I really want to hear from an artist why that's important and what are some ways to start doing that? Oh, that is a great question. I'm glad you asked. I'm sort of on this um, kick of hashtag fine art for everyone because mm-hmm. I really do believe that art, when you invite it into your space, it, it can do a number of things for you. It can be a source of inspiration, a source of comfort. It can um, calm you down. I know I have art all around my house and depending where I'm sitting, I can just stare at a piece and just sort of calm, calm my mind. So I do think people should have art around them because it's very helpful. I know that it can be intimidating intimidating to start an art collection because you're like oh my god what is that like where do I start where do I buy the art from like I don't have that kind of money that right. kind of thing and I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about the cost mm-hmm. um I think some people and I was just in a workshop um yesterday that I was co-facilitating at Columbia one of the we were looking at some work by Carrie James Marshall one of the women she was an older woman white woman she said you know, I just feel like ignorant talking about art. So I don't even know what I'm saying is correct. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, a lot of people have that sort of shame around or just, oh, I don't know what that means. So I can't even begin to engage with it. And all of that is sort of like, I just want people to lay that aside and just sort of, there's no right or wrong way to view art. It's about what it does to you. So my first tip is just see more art because you got to get a sense of, what is it that makes me happy? For some people, it may be figurative art. For some people, it may be abstract art or abstract expressionism or pop art. Just go see more art. And you can see art in a variety of places. You can see art online. You can see art in galleries. A lot of people don't know that galleries are free and open to the public. 
you just need to go in. And yet a lot of the spaces aren't as friendly, I think, to people of color. So you have to kind of go in a group. (laughs) Right. But you can go into these galleries and just view the art up close. Go to museums. A lot of museums are, you know, they have suggested donation, which basically means you can pay that price or you can pay a penny if that's what you have. Um, Go to um, art shows like at the the colleges and universities Mm -hmm. where students are showing their work. So there are a lot of places you can go see art. I actually wrote this little guide and it's on my website at um, chrisadavid.com. You can um, sign up for my newsletter to get the guide where I go through the steps of how to start an art collection. But the first step is definitely see more art. The second step is to figure out what your budget is and what you can um, 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 save or, or um, spend on art. It doesn't have to be a large budget. There, You can buy art for under $100. Originals, right? Or you can decide you want to start your collection by buying fine art prints, um, which is one of the things I just recently started doing because I've, I would have people reach out to me like, oh my god, I love that piece, but I don't have $500. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, some of my pieces you can buy um, for under $100, a a reproduction kind of thing. So think about whether or not you want to start your collection with originals or reproductions. There's no right or wrong way. It's about what you can afford at that particular time in your life and go for it. Um, And the other thing that people don't know is that there are a lot of artists, if you really love an artist, just talk to them and reach out to them. And some of them do payment plans, like me. Like, I've had people who reached out to me and be like, oh, my God, I want that. And I'm like, oh, girl, you can have that. Three easy payments of what? Like, yeah. what? That I, is amazing. I That's, never I've never heard of right? that before. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. I, I feel like I'm going to, like, send out 10 emails after this <laughs> podcast because that's I, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, especially if your birthday's coming up and you're like, I want to buy myself this piece and it's like a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever, reach out to the artist. I'm not saying every artist, right? Does it, but what we care about is that if it resonates with you, I want you to have it. Like yeah. I mm-hmm. really do want if it brings joy to your life or meaning, then we're gonna figure out a way to make sure you have it. So I do payment plans. I know there are a lot of other artists who will do that as well. We may not advertise it on the site, but you just email and kind of talk to to folks and see what they're up for. Um, so those are some tips that um, I think people can, you know, get comfortable around art and comfortable with what they like and then start to think about, you know, how do I want to start my collection? And another thing is your collection does not need to all go together. Right. So, oh, I need to buy these three pieces and they all have pink in it and it's going to, that's great if you want to sort of set up something say in your living room or your office or whatever but your pieces they don't have to you don't have to buy them in a collection they can be picked up from a variety of artists the point is is that it brings you joy or it evokes a feeling in you that you want to invite in your home or in your space then you should go for it and I love that you're encouraging people to see more art because I feel like I kind of used to be Um, intimidated because my grandmother uh, was you know a fine artist and so just seeing like what she could do and then I would go draw and I'm like oh cool I am not gifted here so I know nothing about this (laughs) but the more art that I see the more I realize like there's art for everyone and there's certainly art that isn't for you and I mean I've been in you know some of the best museums that you can go into New York and you can look in and be like wow this is not what I would have envisioned being you know five thousand dollars which just goes to show you that there's 
is like there's art out there for everyone. Um, so I completely agree. People just need to yeah. get out there and see it, whether it's locally, whether it's going online and, and checking out museums online. But there's just so much out there. Yes, yes, there is. So there is. you've worked on a ton of different pieces at this point. Do you have a favorite one that you've done so far? And what kind of inspired you uh, to create that favorite? Um, I, I mean, I love all my babies. Um, <laughs> I do want to find them homes, all of them. But I think the ones that are my favorite at the moment are probably the ones that I have not put up for sale yet. That's how I know that they're my favorite. Right. I'm just not ready to let them out of the studio. But there was this collection that I worked on um, in December, in the beginning of January, called The Homegoing. Um, collection and it was inspired by this novel which I would encourage everybody to read because it's really great fiction really good fiction by um, Yaga Yasi called Homegoing right so it's this sort of epic sweeping historical tale of this these families who half are enslaved half um, by some fluke <laughs> or just happenstance are not enslaved and then these two families sort of split off but they're still related, but because of sort of the trauma of slavery and enslavement, that these two families are are um, um, sp um, split, and you and she tracks the trajectory of these families. Anyway, it just impacted me in such a in a such a um, personal way, mainly because I constantly think about my family and I constantly think about where I come from. So I made this collection of paintings that I love. I love the color palette. I love, they're abstract paintings, so you will not see any figures in, in the work, but it just, they move me. I have them lined up um, um, in my, I work out of my home and I'm in my living room. It's like my studio area. So I have them lined up against the wall and I'm like, I look at them every morning and I'm like, I really am proud of these pieces, but I do know I have to let them go and I have to put them up cause I do want them to find homes, but fiction really, um, inspires me. And that's why I don't read it as often. I kind of have to take, take it in. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. I take in the characters and then I mourn them when they when I'm done with the book. But the homegoing series is probably the the pieces that I'm I'm really proud of. And there's some of my larger pieces, which I'm starting to paint larger and larger and larger, um, which is scary, but I'm pushing myself to do so. Oh man, I love everything. <laughs> like they'll be up soon. I'm, I'm so very curious excited. I, like, to I'm so excited see them now. I just like I, as you're the, talking, um, I'm trying to like the imagine book them on um, Goodreads because I was like, I at this right now, um, and I'm looking at the cover and the art for the cover is fantastic yeah. and it has these. Um, yes. So I'm like right now, I'm like, I can't even imagine what you're doing because it's this bold <laughs> yellow with these red and this, you know, it's all very abstract and oh. I'm ready. Like my body's ready. So that's another little tidbit about me. I pick my fiction by the book cover. Me too. Same. <laughs> me same. It's terrible because I know art. You know, authors don't really have a lot of say right. in their book yeah. covers. But it's just. The, but I you think about how the artist interprets the story. That's what I think. So I'm like, okay, someone is making this cover art and they're interpreting this story and this is like the image that they come up with. So I feel like I'm not like wrong fully by judging the book by its right. cover, right? Yeah. And yeah. also I feel like um, I do, I feel like book covers are, they're art. So I feel like when I select a, you know, a book by its cover, it's another piece of art that's adding yeah, to my collection in my library. So I really do. I mean, I'm that way. I've always been that way, which is yeah. how I knew I wanted to get into art at some point because I am. I'm, I've 
that that phrase. I mean, I will judge like water by the way it looks. Like I'm like I go to the grocery store and I'm like, you have good packaging. You're going home with me. Why do people think Boss Water is like so? It's water. It's just in a glass container with like very nice current text font, and then it's like, yeah, I want that bottle versus having the water that comes from down the street somewhere Mm -hmm. in Florida because a lot of water comes from here. I'm sorry about it. Our water is not delicious. Yeah, design so, matters. <laughs> I know every like uh, fine artist has a different day in life, and I usually I haven't heard a lot about like the day in the. I mean, obviously, yes, I have, but from like now, from especially from a woman of color's perspective, I really want to know what in a mother what a day in your life is like, and when do you get to create, and what times? Because you know, you talked about finding the times that work for you. So I really want to hear what you've discovered in this journey of working for yourself. So I will say my daughter, she still lives at home. She's 22. And if you're good at math, you can send her. I know. How? How? My hands are up because I'm just like, I don't understand. You're 22. How is she 22? This is witchcraft. That's what I said. Oh, my God. What is she talking about? Like, what what is happening? Yes, I had her when I was in high school. So I don't have any small babies or anything to take care of. And she has her own schedule and, and that kind of thing. But um, so I don't have that pressure on me. Um, with that said, the pressure that I do have on me is the fact that I like to be about, I'm, I'm naturally curious. Mm-hmm. So my days don't ever look the same, despite my, um, my, I try a lot of different things because I'm constantly like, no, you need to have structure because you like all the things and you want to see all the things, but you need structure. So I've tried a lot of different um, ways to divide my time since quitting my job. And every few weeks it changes. So, (laughs) and I used to beat myself up about it, but I'm just like, you have to go with the flow because you can't, you know, just give yourself some grace and just know that you're trying to do your work the best way that you can. So every day is very different, but I do try to, um, keep some things core to my morning ritual um I like an amazing like skincare routine because <laughs> i mean damn I don't do, I don't do okay i think that the secret is i watch her instagram stories which i never do but i watch Krista, and she makes coffee every morning and then she'll yes. say like let it bloom and it really i'm like ready to start my maybe day. like i'm like, like what kind of coffee pour, is this because I, like, I need to her drink own it coffee and i'm like oh she's ready for the like it's crazy it's so dumb like and magical then, youth coffee is it magical but youth I coffee so excited watching her coffee <laughs> you know one time i didn't do it it was like a, a day or two i didn't do it people emailed me like, oh, that's so funny um, Sorry, I decided to sleep in. Right? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so I get up in my morning. I just keep my morning rituals the same every morning. That's the only thing that's the same. So the coffee, I can't start my day. My brain cells don't work without good <laughs> coffee. Pour over. I pray. I do a little devotional. And I just started meditating maybe um, in November. I bought the, um, what is the name of that app? It is the one with the little orange. Oh, I need to look it up. It's, it's um, not calm, is it? No, let me look on my phone. I can't. I thought I had the name in front of me, but I meditate every day. Oh, Headspace. Headspace. Oh, Headspace. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I started that in November because I had never knew, you know, I'm not, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> I'm having anxiety attacks every other day because I'm scared of quitting my job, you know, that kind of thing. So I start, I, uh, I started meditating a few months ago. So meditation, coffee, prayer. So those are things that are core to my day, and I'm just now starting to incorporate more fitness stuff into my day. Outside of that, 
the rest of the day can look like me in front of the computer all day because what I've learned in, in making art is that marketing is everything and mm-hmm. you can spend your life doing that stuff because it's just you if I can get 20 hours of art making in a week I'm like yes that's <laughs> great now when I wanted to quit my job I was just like oh yeah I'm gonna be making art all day it's gonna be right awesome. no not like that <laughs> because you have the business stuff like it's like I gotta go to the post office to mail the things I gotta pack up the things I have to scan the receipts I have to do my own bookkeeping because I don't have any mm-hmm. help or anything I have to write blog posts that kind of thing so my day is very varied but I am mindful of the hour count per week of how much art I'm making because at the end of the day, I didn't quit my job to do the right. thing, right? Yeah. So if it gets to a point where it's like out of hand, I got to figure how to something. hire somebody or something. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm so used to having a team. Like when I left my day job, I had, you know, a huge, it was not a huge team, but 15 people, whatever. You can delegate things. Mm-hmm. But now I'm on my own and I'm like, Krista, if it gets, if you can't put in 20 hours a week of making art and doing research for your art projects, then why are you out here? Right. So I'm just mindful to that. I'm mindful of that count. I almost like keep a little time card kind of thing for studio time. And another thing that's really helping me kind of craft my days. Have you guys read Deep Work? I haven't like, yet. No. No. So um, I try not to read too many books because it can get out of hand with nonfiction books. Like you could just consume them. Yeah. Um, and I love to read, but I'm trying to take a couple texts and just really um, use the tools in there. So I'm trying to use deep work now, just sort of blocking out my days, making sure that I spend the core part of my morning making art and then do all the admin stuff in the afternoon when my brain is kind of fried. Mm-hmm. But there's no rhyme or reason to my day. I think you, I just remind myself that I'm out here making art and I cannot um, sacrifice those hours because then what is it for? And I get really crabby when I don't make enough work. I get really, really like, and then I start to feel sad and then, you know, my anxiety and depression will kick in. So I have to be mindful of like, Art fills me up, and right. I gotta make sure I'm making something, regardless of whether I share it with anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing because that just proves that you're doing what you're meant to do. Yeah. So um, there's so many great artists out there, and staying inspired just like helps us to be able to continue to create. So, what other artists have inspired your work? That's a good question. I thought about that. Um, I think about that often. I'm less inspired. I mean, I, I see a lot of art. I spend a lot of time going <laughs> to galleries, museums, um, and just staring at really great work. But it's less about the actual artwork. I'm more inspired by the artists and their practices. Like, I am so curious about how the way people work. So when I think about some of my favorite artists, like, um, um, not favorite, but I think about artists like Van Gogh. Van Gogh went his entire life without selling a painting. I t- you know, I take that bit of information and I tuck that away. Carmen Herrera. Yeah, right? Yeah. artist. She didn't start selling work until she was 80. I take that piece of information, I tuck it away. Picasso is prolific. Like, it's just he had a machine going with the amount of output that he was producing. I take that and I, I put that away. You know, Kara James Marshall and Wengeshi Mutu, I'm the two of my favorite living artists. 
And they, their work is, they, they are clear about what they're aiming their artwork at. They have a clear vision. They're sticking to that vision. So I take that piece of information. I'm like, okay, Krista, what are you aiming your work at? Because that's what's going to sustain your career. Um, and so I don't, I don't look at people's artwork and be like, oh, let me go try that. I, I think about how are they producing that? What are, they, what are they producing that for? And then I take all those bits of sort of habits and practices and philosophies and I say, okay, you need to make sure, one, you have something you're aiming your work at. You need to have a, a system, a, a process for making a, a lot of work because that's how you get good. That's how you get great. You have to have tenacity and like grit and clarity about your vision so that even if no one else sees it, you stay on the course the way Carmen Herrera, you know. Right. So I think about that when I look at artwork. I'm always curious as to what were the conditions that allowed them to produce this work? It's less about the work. And I see some really great work up close and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But I'm always like, what are the conditions that allow them to produce that work consistently? Because I want to be making art for my entire life. Um, and so I want to make sure I have systems in place and a real sort of understanding about where my work is going so that I can have a, a really long career. And you right. can look at the body of my work and be like, okay, she she has something going on. She was clear about where she was going with her work, regardless of the commercialism around the world. Right, yeah. yeah. Like the consumerism, you know. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some of the artists that I look to, but it's mainly about, and I'm finding new artists every day, and then I go find a biography about them, I go watch them on YouTube, talk about their work right. or whatever, and, you know, oh, another person who I love, Romeo Bearden, okay, let's just say, <laughs> like, he's like, brilliant, but he worked in the cracks, like he was a father and, right. a, and a husband and a social worker. And he retired after working for the New York City, New York City, um, working for New York City to then make art in his retirement. He ended up being this great, you know, so it's those things that sustain me and just remind me like, one, there isn't one right or wrong path to making art and being an artist. Two, you have to figure it out for yourself and get your systems and foundations in place and then just sort of make your work and do yeah. your work. And that helps me deal with the comparison trap. So I don't even get into that. Yep, definitely. I'm clear about what I'm trying to do. I definitely learning more about Caroline Herrera has really blown my mind like this year. I'm like, this woman created art every single day of her adulthood and nobody okay. found it until she was 80 years old. And I'm thinking, how do you get in the mindset where you're like, I'm going to do something every day all of my life and it does not matter if anyone sees this or not and really like the challenges she's had being a woman and being a woman of color and immigrating yeah. from cuba and like this just crazy life story that she has and it's not until she's in her 80s that people notice that she's gone through this and that her art is amazing and it was prolific way before people who are male or white or whatever got accredited for what she created and i've talked about her on this um podcast before because i really think people should see the documentaries and read about her and look at her art and just really understand that you are not working for nothing. Like you're doing and you're creating and you're making for a reason. It's for you. It's for your passion. And somebody, you may never know when somebody find it and you may be long gone <laughs> when yeah. someone finds what you've created and that's okay. Just create because your heart is inspired to do so. And I really don't think people yeah. should get into the comparison trap. I think you should just create and not worried about what other people are doing. Because if those people worried about what other people were doing, they would have stopped. Then we never would be able to enjoy the work that they created. Yep. Yep. 
so how, I mean, obviously you said your daughter's grown. <laughs> she doesn't need, but still, I mean, having a daughter at home and in regard, having people in your home in general, it's still a lot to manage and being mm-hmm. a wife and, and just everything, mm-hmm. life in general. I'm not married. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Married. Oh my goodness. Thank I'm you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, you, you're married to, you're married to the job. So you are a wife, <laughs> wife to the, the canvas. So uh, how do you manage your motherhood or just life being a friend, being a woman of color and in, in this political climate how do you manage all of this without feeling creatively stifled because that's where I sometimes and also working from home I think too because I I mean like we work from home and we're artists in our own right but like you're on a whole nother level and I feel like to create on your level and to make art that's so like deep and meaningful from home and and instead of like having like a full-blown studio is that do you find that challenging and how do you manage that yeah, those are good questions. So on the personal family life level, so I'm grateful that I have friends who are very supportive and family that's very supportive to what I'm doing. And, you know, there was a lot of um, made up on my part tension around me quitting my job. I had a very, um, you know, one of those jobs that people who are in public health are like, oh, my God, that's my dream. Job. Right. It paid, it paid a lot. It, it more than paid the bills. And I'm a first time college. Um, You're like first, first generation. First generation. Yeah. In my family. So there was a lot riding on that. But thankfully, I have a very supportive family. And everyone was like, YOLO, you only get one life. <laughs> you know? And my boyfriend's very um, supportive. And my friends are very supportive. And I think now, and it's not tension, but I do, because I work at home, I'm like not. Um, it takes a lot to get me out of my house. So that has affected how much I see my friends. So I have to make a concerted effort to kind of leave home and go hang out with them. But I think everybody's very supportive and they know what I'm trying to do. Um, as far as my daughter, she's also a creative. So it's re- and she sees a lot of art too. She does like, you know, film stuff and like graphic design stuff. She's a like a wild child creative. <laughs> So she'll come in and like, you know, give me comments about my work. So it's actually very helpful. And I trust her opinion because she does see a lot of good work. And um, so that doesn't um, impact me um, too much. I, I think I think it's helpful for me. It doesn't take away from anything. As far as working in my home, I would love to have my own studio. That is my desire. That is what I'm putting out there. And praying that God will bless me with that, mainly because when you have a studio space, you can do a lot of different things Mm -hmm. and create a different kind of mess and like create pieces on a different scale. Like I still have to live in my house and I don't want to have everything all over the place because I still need people to come um, visit me. But it's something I still have to work out because a lot of artists will have like studio open hours and I'm like, this is my home. I don't know if I want a whole bunch of people just coming over that I don't know. So I still have to get used to that because people do need to see all of my work and I can't just gather it all up and take it to them per se. And especially when you're trying to find shows and things like that. So I am selectively inviting people into my home to see my work. Um, but I, I do like working from home. I, I, I'm like, it's a blessing and it's a privilege. And there was one other thing you mentioned that I wanted to respond to, but it's, it's escaping me. Oh, about my work and just the the heaviness of it. So, I mean, I think this is a tricky part. This is, again, where I look to artists who have come before me for inspiration and just sort of 
advice because they're my some of my work is very heavy it deals deal with you know mass incarceration violence it deals with um, racism um bias all these things these are heavy things and we see it in the news and it's just a xenophobia i mean just stuff where you're like and it got to a point and i was sharing this with another um art person in the art world like it gets so heavy sometimes when you're just like i just want to do something that's pretty this is right but what I've learned from people like Alma Thomas, who's another artist that I love, she was very, and she was living in a time and making art in a time where it was similar to now, sadly, where there was a lot of oppression, a lot of racism, that kind of thing. But she made a conscious choice to, to, to paint joy. She made a conscious decision to stay in the joy lane. And I was just like, that's right. That's an act of resistance, right? Black joy, that's an act of mm-hmm. resistance to see still declare the fact that I am here, I will be here, I will be healthy, I will be wealthy, I will be well, I will be happy, and I will live my life. So I'm starting to to make sure that my work is very balanced. On the one hand, it's like, this is not pretty, and this is what I want to talk about, and this is what I'm thinking about. But on the other hand, it's like, I also believe in Black Joy. I also believe in this, in living your life to the fullest, and like, declaring yourself. So I try to keep a balance, but again, I'm learning from other artists who have um, gone before me and just sort of like, okay, I can talk about these, I can hold both of these things without it being a contradiction. Right. Like I can be right. pissed off that black men and black women are being killed and no one seems to care, while at the same time being like, I love being black, listen, it's the greatest thing in the world, right? So I try to keep a balance in the way that I do my work. Um, and you've talked about how your art like really fuels you um, creatively and leaves you feeling fulfilled uh, and that you need to create, which I love. Um, what else makes you feel creatively fulfilled? Like, is there anything else that you're doing besides, uh, you know, visual art that helps you feel fulfilled creatively? Um, so I like to, I think anything that requires, two things, anything that requires me to use my hands, I'm, I'm game for it. <laughs> like, I like to bake. I feel yeah. like that's art. Oh, <laughs> that it is. is. It is. <laughs> it makes me happy when I can bake and give baked goods away to people. That's, you know, nice, something I like to do. But then I also like to, to read and study, like, you know, my background or what I studied in college and grad school in particular is history. So research is really, I love, like, going through archives. I love looking at old things. I love thrifting for the express purpose of looking for old things and, like, looking at old photographs just because I'm always sort of hunting for a story or something cool. And, again, it doesn't have to relate to anything or be something I'm going to share with anybody, but I just love foraging old things. I love, you can, if we were driving on a road and I see a sign that said yard sale, <laughs> because I want to be like, oh, I wonder if they're like giving a box of photos away, right. $2 or whatever. Um, so those are things that I like to do. Anything that required, anything that um, is about foraging and hunting for a story or something of some kind, it brings me a lot of joy. So Same, same, same. <laughs> so there are probably a lot of listeners right now who are listening to this specifically because you are a visual artist, you're a fine artist, and they're working their nine to five, and we talked about a little bit of this. Um, do you have any tips, any other tips for people who are looking to create fine art for a living? 
Um, so I think what I'm learning um, now and what I've, I'm learning from a lot of artists, all the artists that I'm meeting, honestly, have day jobs. Mm. And that's like one of those. And, and the reason why they have day jobs is, I think, for two reasons. One, it's very challenging to sell fine art, especially outside of the establishment. Meaning if you're not like in a uh, art program now in graduate school where you're like tied into these networks and you're just sort of on the outside, it can be challenging. It's not impossible, but it's challenging. So a lot of people keep their day jobs because they don't want to have to deal with the instability of finances, but then they also don't want to have to feel like they're making art just for the money. So I get that. The other reason um, why people tend to keep their, um, actually I can't remember what I was going to say now, but anyway, <laughs> I think that's what it, I'm, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised in all the artists that I'm meeting and curious, they're like, no, I got my day job. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I thought we was out here making art full time. <laughs> so, but I think they do that is because they, they want to have a sense of freedom and then also the structure that a job provides. It's like I go to work from eight to four, nine to five, and then I go and I do my thing um, afterwards. I think if you do have a day job and you're practicing your art on nights and weekends, before you decide you want to lean in full time, I think you need to produce enough work and try to find your people before you leave. So you find your people by getting out there, meeting other artists and other, you know, going into spaces where people are actually buying art or contemplating contemplating art. Find your people first, that way you have this group of people that you're then sort of sharing your work with as you make it. Um, you want to definitely set yourself up properly online. Like I've, I've, I've looked at at least two to 250 artists' websites and 99, okay, that's bad. 98% of them are like terrible. No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> and, I, and I know, I think they're terrible only because it's not their thing. It's right. not their them, right? Yeah. You know? But I do think you need to have a space. It can be a very simple space where you can show your your work so that people can take you seriously. Um, so you definitely want to have your online sort of set up and be clear on like how you're going to use that because quite honestly, that's how I sell my, my work is through Instagram and it's through my website mm-hmm. and it's people see the, they can see the work clearly. They're more apt to buy it. But then you also want to, um, before you, in order to sort of make a living, I think you need to be very realistic about how much money you can actually make and like making sure that you are doing other things to kind of supplement your income. It may not be a full-time job, but it may be some part-time consulting. Um, so right now, just to be transparent with everybody, I don't make my full, I have, I'm not, I have no sort of, um, dreams about covering my $112,000 salary this year that I made last year. Like, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen with art. Yeah. And that's fine. But I've had these goals of like, okay, I wonder if I can sell $40,000 worth of art this year. That would be pretty awesome. And I can just do other consulting things on the side from my home um, to, to cover the rest. So it's about being very realistic about what your goals are and know that it's going to take a little while to kind of get to a point where you're like, I'm full-time artist. Um, yeah, I think those are the things that I would just know that it's, it's, it's hard, but it's not impossible. And you really have to set realistic goals around the financing piece of it. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I would, that's what I'm learning now. 
<laughs> so what are you currently working on and what can we look forward to seeing from you over the next few months? Okay, so that's a good question. This is one thing that I'm really excited about and it's still forming even now. So I am going to Cuba in Ooh. April. I'm jealous. Like I've been thinking about doing that. I did dance. <laughs> like I was like shimmy, shimmy. I'm, so excited. Um, I'm going from April 7th through the 15th. So it's a very short trip, but it's an art related trip. So I'm working on this project or conceptualizing this project now, which is mainly going to be the meat of it is going to be like a, a Polaroid portrait type of project, but it will bring in these elements of collage and painting. And so I'm really excited about that because as you know, Cuba is rapidly changing mm -hmm. and I want to see it before it completely turns into America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Real. <laughs> like where there's Starbucks that are on every corner. Oh my goodness. McDonald's in Cuba. Oh, you just, and, 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 Sort of as a as a researcher, it's fascinating because I mean, for all of the things that Cuba is, they also have some other things that are going really well for them in the healthcare space, right? Mm. Um, in health outcomes space, right? So there's certain things that were helpful, um, were helped by the way that the island was run, but there are other things that were not. So it's a sort of it's, it's, yeah. So I'm I'm just interested in seeing it before it sort of the floodgates are open right. and and it's like completely overrun with visitors yeah. <laughs> and that type of thing and just documenting that and, and documenting it through photographs and um, having my commentary come into the photographs via the collage pieces so and I want these to be very large scale um, pieces so I'm conceptualizing it now I am going to partially crowdfund is that the right word yep. crowdfund, crowdfund this so there will be a kickstarter happening in the next week or so and um, because Polaroids are super expensive. Yes, right. they are. I, I think people will be excited about, enough about the project to be able to want to participate in it with me because after I come back, I would love to have like an exhibit of the work. Um, so that's what I'm working on. I'm merging photography, collage, and painting over the, you know, this spring um, around this project that I'm going to be doing in Cuba and... Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It's a new, newish area for me, so we, we shall see what happens. <laughs> no, I'm super excited about it, especially because um, we're planning New York trip very in the months after that. So I hope I like can come up while you're <laughs> doing, or I'm gonna come by and I'm be like, I'm gonna do studio hours. Sorry, not sorry. Yes, <laughs> so I'm definitely. super excited about it. We just started that. talking about but it last night. You can hear more about all of that on my site, ChrisaDavid.com. Yeah. We'll put links in the show yes, notes definitely. and everything. Well, Krista, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for chatting with us Yay, today. We're so excited, and I'm like, I'm really excited. Everyone for needs to go reason. out and buy some art today. Yeah, right, seriously, <laughs> yes, especially because women art. aren't doing anything when this comes out. We're not doing anything, so you're sitting at home and you're gonna be buying art. Yep, <laughs> basically, exactly. From other women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they should do: buy art oh from other women. So yeah, thank you so much, Krista. Thank you so much. All right. Hey guys, so it's time for listener questions. If you have questions that you want to ask us, email us at hello at heartandhustlepodcast.com. Go to the website heartandhustlepodcast.com. Use the context form. If you are more time, like you don't have time to read trying to figure out what our email address is. So the contact form goes to the same exact place, but we're so excited. So the first question I feel like is something that people get all the time mm -hmm. is how do you deal with the misconceptions of entrepreneurship from people who may not understand, i.e., 
you must love being at home all day and getting to relax or you are such a good mom yeah work from home (laughs) so i've dealt with this literally every single day every day of my life i started (laughs) yeah working um as a business owner uh i get this a lot from my mom she's gotten better but like oh man is it bad sometimes like we used to get into like full-blown arguments because she would be like well uh, let's have lunch. And I'd be like, well, mom, I can't because like I have A, B and C going on. And she'd be like, well, you just don't want to have lunch with me. Like, you know, you're home all day. Blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then, you know, just people being like, oh, like it must be like, like, how come John makes dinner? Like, you're the one who's home all day. Stuff oh. like that. Oh, no. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't open your mouth and say those and words. And what's funny <laughs> is like John has been really great about it. Like specifically, that's kind of um, how we shifted into him making dinner every night is that uh, when I like when I first opened my business and I had like a um, a regular nine to five and I was running my business and so I needed that extra like hour to just yeah. like be able to get stuff done. We just talked about nights and weekends. Exactly. And you need your nights and weekends. Exactly. So he like kind of fell in love with just like being the one who would cook all the time so that I had that extra hour because it takes him a full blown hour to make dinner because he's very over the top. Um, but I had that time to do what I need to do. So he gets it, but a lot of people don't and really for me what I would say is that I just continue I don't let it upset me because at first I used to let it upset me and like literally like my mom and I would argue about it or I would just like get into it with other people and I'd be like you don't know my life like you don't know how hard my job is I work like 80 hours blah 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 but now I'm just like I I know my schedule I know what I do during the day I know that what I do is hard Um, and I do obviously think that I get validation from like you and Melissa and other people that I'm now friends with who are entrepreneurs who understand Um, so I just consistently will answer like oh well actually this is what I do and it's like some people are going to get it and some people are not. Um, obviously, it's it's worth a little bit more effort to have people like your mom or like close family members understand. If it's distant friends and that's what they want to believe, like tell them what you got to tell them and don't like worry <laughs> about it at the end of the day because it's just like those are the same people that are going to believe that teachers don't work hard or nursing must oh, be easy or word. you know what I mean? It's like and <laughs> yeah. there's people out there who say to John like, oh, like it must be so great that you get the summers off. And he's like, yeah, because I need it for my mental freaking health right. because I'm a teacher. <laughs> and I don't get paid enough <laughs> And I don't get paid during the summer. So it's yeah. like, oh, you don't get paid during the summer. It's like, no, I don't. It's not so. a paid eight week vacation where he just exactly yeah oh my god so yeah i you know you just you got to tell those people stay consistent with this is like have your answer prepared this is what i do this is you know why it's not just being home and relaxing and just walk away from it if they don't accept it because it's just not worth your time or your effort you got a million things to do you own a business (laughs) yeah my favorite thing is when um other moms and i get this all the time we're like oh yeah i forget you're busy (laughs) i love that because i'm like I am, but you can say it in that, like, it's like, you're busy, you know, like, you can see, like, it's italicized. Yeah. (laughs) Say it, like, I can see it visually, and I think it's so funny, because that's a lot of, you know, I don't, first of all, I don't justify anything that I do, and I think that's rule number one, is that you make money, you do what you have to do. Um, I personally wouldn't spend time justifying it or explaining to anybody, I don't, because Mm -hmm. either you get it or you don't, you Google it, you YouTube it, and it's not my job to educate you, I just don't have time, I'm not the entrepreneur, I don't get paid to tell you how hard it is to be an entrepreneur, I'm not even going to complain about how hard it is, because I am in a place of, you know, um, being able, fortunate enough to do this, and being able to not have to clock in, in a place where I don't feel comfortable, but I do think it's hilarious, I just think it's funny, and I, most of the time I laugh, I mean, Chris was sitting here right now, first of all, my daughter's at home because she's her daycare schedule until August where she'll be going full time. 
I'm not going to explain to anybody why that is. It's just like, it should be common sense. If you work, then you can't right? have your kid with you. <laughs> That's yeah. just generally how life works, especially the older they get. And she'll be going to school in like two years, anyway, like two plus years. Well, she'll be going to school full time in a year anyway. So it wouldn't make any sense. You know, it's just like, I'm getting a jump start on that. Uh, but Christmas here and we're recording. She has to go outside for an hour while we get our guest and try to get that said sorted out. She came in, she go take a nap. Baby here is here. And we start talking about his schedule. Like literally, which like, is, <laughs> oh God, when you guys talk about your schedule, cause it's like, it's one thing to be like one entrepreneur. It's another when you have two and you're raising a child and I'm just like, oh my God, you guys are hurting my brain. <laughs> like stop talking. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't have to justify it or talk about it. If you're interested in learning, like if you're interested, somebody really asks me and how do I juggle things, that's different. Yeah. And I'll sit down and talk about it and then I'll show them my calendar. Cause you can look at it and stare and color, color coordinate it. And <laughs> there's no space on it for just hanging out. And chilling and watching the talk or the view or whatever. God, I love a good color coordination. <laughs> so, you know, he was here. He's like, do you see the orange? And I was like, yeah, I see There was it. a lot of orange. I don't know what that is, but there, I thought there was like a whole bunch of orange. There's an orange, just a musty yellow. Yeah, it's a hot mess. Yeah. Um, so that's generally how I do. I deal with it personally by not, unless somebody asks me in a way that they want to be educated because they're looking possibly for the future or they're looking for tips or maybe their husband works from home. I, I get that a lot from moms when they do find out like moms who are really interested, their husband works from home and mm-hmm. they may have multiple kids and they really want to know how they can relate to him yeah. being at home. And I'm like, hey, hey, calm down. Let me tell you how it is. Your husband has it hard. Don't mm-hmm. worry. So those types of things I will. But most of the time, I'm just like, whatever. You don't pay my bills. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so question number two, what are some effective ways to market yourself when you are starting a business and may not have a large portfolio of work? It's stressful. Um, I don't. I feel like from what what I like, because right now, like I've said a million and one times, we're looking to hire people. We're looking at different things, we're looking at resumes, portfolios for different types of jobs and positions. And so I've gotten, and I've, I've been asked this um, on some of my talks, especially the one just the other week um, with create uh, Add to Orlando, and that was all student, students, and I felt like an old lady because I'm like, these kids are 18 years old, and mm-hmm. they drove here in their cars, they were born in the 90s, like yeah. 1999 <laughs> in terms of like 90s, not the early 90s like yeah. I was. Um, so I really think it's important to first of all show up. I think that that's one way to market yourself is that these kids got the initiative to drive from UCF to downtown, which doesn't sound like a long drive. Technically, I think it probably is like 10 miles physically, but it takes like two hours or whatever to get there. So the fact that they got out of classes on like a weekday and decided I need to go do this to further myself so I can have, you know, to introduce myself to different, you know, creatives and understand that I think that's number one, what you should do is show up because I think that shows initiative and drive. And also, um, I feel like conceptual projects in terms of being like a designer or a visual artist or something like that really do um, pad your portfolio. People aren't going to ask, is this tea company real? Or you could say conceptual and this is what I would think and this is the way I approach it. And we actually had someone um, come up to us during the uh, Black Orlando Tech, Black tech in Orlando meetup the other day, um, well, last month, not the other day, because they just had one, where he brought his whole portfolio up to us, which is one thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> his one, whole portfolio is one project, and asked us pointers on what he should do. And I was like, this isn't, like, he had wireframe, he had from beginning to end mm. for something that he, I don't even think he did it, or he did it, it was really like a, you know, just a cheap job or something like that, but he really took the steps into doing like the UX research and he had all of this documented out. And I think it's just really about the way you document the projects that you have. Don't just put pictures up if you only have two things. You know yeah. what I mean? You really need to go into detail about why you decide to do this and what tools you use. And you need to be really um, just use your words to explain why you do what you do. And I think that really helps people 
want to add you to their teams or hire you or whatever the case may be. So I think if you're trying to market yourself and you don't have a large portfolio, my question, my first question would be, why don't you have a large portfolio? Because nobody's stopping you from creating. Right, exactly. You know, just because you, like you said, like just because you're not getting paid for it and it's not a quote unquote real project doesn't mean that you can't get out there and create things. So I know like speaking from, you know, a background in photography, like I went out there and I photographed as many people as right. I could because I decided I want to photograph people for a living. And so I photographed all the people. And then when I wanted to switch gears and do branding, I did a few branding projects for free um, so that those people knew of my greatness and then could go speak of it to <laughs> others. But really, you know, realistically, like no matter what field you're in, it's, it's, that's really what you need to do is like go in and get your hands dirty, like go in and create and build that portfolio, whether you're getting paid for it or not. If you really, if you're loving something enough that you want it to be your profession, your full-time thing that you're doing, your calling, then you should love it enough to be able to go out and create um, without getting paid, knowing that that's going to eventually lead to you getting paid and and, um, flesh out your portfolio. And even I think once you have a portfolio that, um, is, you know, fantastic and and big, uh, you should always be looking at, okay, well, what are ways that I'm going to update this and change things about this? Um, Like one of my favorite visual artists uh, who does like mixed media and photography, uh, Jeremy Cohort, which I'm probably saying his name wrong uh, because John always corrects me when I say it. (laughs) Uh, But basically he, you know, he has like his work portfolio, but then he's always doing like personal projects that flesh out his portfolio and the way that he wants it to be visually seen so that when you're coming to hire him, um, you can see like what it is that he has to offer. So the other thing that I would say is like on top of like doing that constant portfolio building at the beginning is um, making sure that you're reaching out and having relationships with other people because if you're doing that, it allows you to market like pretty much on the spot. So if you're like, let's say that you're doing mixed media and, you know, let's say that you are a painter and so you borrow like a illustration or a photographer that from another artist that you've obviously cleared with them and so you're collaborating on this together or let's say that you are a photographer and, you know, you're working with like an art, like a, you know, a model and then a um, like a makeup artist and like somebody who works in wardrobe styling. So it's like you have all these different creative people coming together to create something for the sake of creation. And in doing so, you're all going to go out there and market what you right, just did. So exactly. you have not just yourself putting it out there like, hey, look what I did. But you have, you know, two plus like five, 12, however many people for whatever your project is, people that are marketing that. And really those relationships are going to make those people, like when they get booked for a gig, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, I worked with so-and-so. They were fantastic. This is the project we did together. Check it out. I think you should hire them too. So I think that that's really continuing to build your portfolio and continuing to create and also building relationships with people in and around your industry. And also Sean McCabe says, which is actually true, put the work that you want to create in your portfolio just don't pat your portfolio for the sake of patting it uh put the work that you want to attract the clients exactly so, so just, it doesn't have to be just your paid work right. it can be something that just speaks just to your heart exactly that you want to get paid to do in the future yeah <laughs> why if you don't like designing websites don't put websites in your portfolio exactly just don't do it um <laughs> so what are some places where i can connect with other women of color who are also entrepreneurs 
This is a very interesting question because there are several different, I'm sure, professional organizations and uh, different things that you can do. I know there's like the, um, here in Florida, we have Central Florida League of Urban Young Professionals. We have Black Orlando Tech. Uh, we have a lot of different things locally that I try to get in tune with on a, like, I guess, international vibe via the internet. Mm-hmm. I think Facebook groups are probably where you're going to find the majority of places where you find women of color who are also entrepreneurs. I've talked about uh, Arsha Jones' group, Brand, Build, and Sell, for many, many reasons. It's probably one of my favorite groups. Not just women, it's also men, but the majority, 99.9% of the people are people of color, if not 100%, I would say. Um, the other 0.1% is probably lurkers, and they're all there supporting mm-hmm. and engaging, and it's like often, it's updated all the time. I mean, like every second of the day, there's something new, and people are giving legitimate feedback and legitimate sources. So I really say... Check that out as number one, and I'll put that a link to the show notes in there. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other Facebook groups. That's my probably my number one and only that I would recommend right now. That's my favorite, and also I would just say check out your local meetups. Look for play words like black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, search for them. There's black business owners, and, and again, again, like our um, we have an African American Chamber of Commerce here that's really um large. I'm sure every city probably has one, a major city. So look at those type of things as well. Yeah, I think like conferences, workshops, meetups, um, there's literally like Facebook groups. Um, there's so many different Twitter out there. And there's even like, creators. yeah. And there's also like, you know, those um, just like private groups that are, you know, on things that aren't Facebook as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways as far as like how to find the one that works for you, because like depending on if you're just looking for creative women that are of color, if you're looking for people that are in your same industry or whatever. um, I think that look at the influencers that you really like and see where they're spending their time, whether it be online or in person. So like if you, for example, like Angelica and you're like, oh, I wonder like what she's up to, you can go check her out and see like where she's speaking in that sort of thing. Or just ask the people. Yeah. That's probably the the most efficient ways to tweet them or message them on Facebook. Absolutely. Because I mean, there's, there's going to be, you know, it it, like, it really depends on like exactly like what you're looking for. Cause I mean, there's, there's so many specific groups for women of color um, across the board now. Like recently I've been listening to um, the podcast, uh, black girl and home and they have like their own creative community. And it's really specifically for, you know, women of color who are very into like health and yoga and balance and wellness and, and, and meditation and still being creative. So it's like, depending on what it is that you're looking for, I would just really say tap into those influencers and see like where they're spending their time. And that'll probably show you where would be the best case for uh, you to be connecting with other women of color who have the same interests as you. Okay. Um, tweet me. Cause I'm not, I'm there. Tweet us. If you yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Tweet at us. us. So, like, or, I feel like we're both in a lot of different, yeah. that's why like, I hate to like, just like list them out. It's like, you're, we're, we'll yeah, be here I'm, all day, but um, there's a lot of different, chats and you know whatever like just let us know like more specifically what your specifications are because i think like it is great to be like hey we're both women of color and we're creative but just because you're both women of color creative doesn't even mean that you will like vibe or have anything else in common so i think that you you definitely want to look at a few more layers like okay you're creative and you're doing a b or c so yeah and if you run a group or a facebook group or a chat or something um tweet them using the hashtag boss so hard we'll retweet it so people know that they can find their people where you are so yeah all right guys we will see you next week enjoy bye